Welcome to the Crowfall Podcast, where we share stories and perspectives from the world of Crowfall with your hosts, Walker and Chris. This is Walker, and this week we're excited because the game has just come out, and so we're going to share our stories from what our experiences were. As always, I'm joined by esteemed co-host Chris. Chris, how you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Crowfall is officially live. Yeah. Yeah. I would say um, pretty much uh, a successful launch for most of the day. I mean, uh, there was uh, some server issues kind of towards the second half of the day, but, um, you know, it was. I got a good morning session in. To play yeah, so that's that's a tale of two cities there, because uh, what you would call most of the day includes prior to noon. Um, I was not awake that early, and so <laughs> I would not say that it was up for most of the day. Um, I would say that I played for maybe two hours total. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was down pretty much the entire time for me. Um, but you had a long night, you know. Sure, sure. But yeah, it it uh yeah, but the game still wasn't playable throughout the evening or anything. Mm. Now, I did hit an issue where I had some weird situation where I'd like joined a server with a character and then tried to back out of that before it actually finished, and I think it was stuck in some I don't know, limbo if you will, mm. where it just wouldn't load. So I actually deleted that character and then just remade it and then I was able to get in. So I might have been able to play a little more than I actually did. Um I will say whatever. That, um, that the Crowfall community um, in the, the Discord, even while the server issues were going on, um, everyone was, was really positive about it. I mean, people were joking around and stuff, but, you know, saying things about the, the condition. But for the most part, everyone was like, yeah, you know, this is kind of what happens when an MMO launches. <laughs> Yeah, well, I saw, I guess there was some really popular streamer that's maybe a, I don't know if he's a WoW streamer or, or what. I, I want to say the name is Forsen, but I might be completely conflating some other story, but whatever. Some streamer went to play at launch and uh, the servers crashed basically right when he started his stream, I guess. <laughs> and so uh, supposedly he told his his followers to go refund the game and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I just, you know, something that you and I talked about in our first episode is we've had a long time of, of playing MMOs. I mean, the, the creative director for Artcraft that makes Crowfall was also one of the lead guys for Shadowbane, which mm -hmm. was the first time you and I did this oh, <laughs> literally yeah. 20 years ago. Right. Um, and yeah, this is just the way it goes on launch day. I, if an MMO has a successful day one where there's not downtime and not interruptions and people don't have issues logging in, I would be very surprised by that. Mm. So I don't think this is an indication of, you know, the state of the game or, or anything like that. So for anyone that, you know, maybe was curious about it, but was turned off by that, I would say, don't be turned off by it. This is just par for the course on launching an MMO. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know exactly what goes into, you know, the having enough equipment to, you know, uh, accommodate all of the players. But of course, you're going to see a huge spike on opening day and, um, 
you know, lots of load on the servers and everything. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what the nature of the, the, the technical nature of the issues were, but again, I've not seen a single MMO that I'm aware of do it well. I'm sure someone out there knows of one and would be happy to push their glasses <laughs> up their nose and tell me about it, but um, yeah, it's, I mean, Final Fantasy fourteen was so bad at launch that they actually offered refunds to everyone, took the game back into development for two years, and then relaunched now what is probably the second most popular MMO on the market behind WoW. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever. And I don't think we're in that state at all with Crowfall where they're going <laughs> to shut it down and go back to the development cycle. But my point just being, this is certainly not the worst that it's been. Um, and yeah, I'm not discouraged even kind of by by the, the downtime that happened yesterday. No, me either. I mean, I was, you know, a little disappointed because I was ready to play all, all day. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Sure, sure. But yeah, so, you know, I didn't play the beta very much. Um, I, I followed Crowfall for a couple years. I didn't, I wasn't a Kickstarter backer or anything like that, but I was aware of it. But for a long time, it didn't have a release date. And because I followed MMOs for so long, I wasn't really interested in uh, hanging on every detail of a game that you know, we'll see if it comes out kind of thing, right? Yeah. So I didn't even purchase it or anything until, I don't know, a month or two ago, whenever it had a release date and was knew it was coming out. And I dabbled in the beta just to like make sure that it ran okay on my PC and that I you know didn't <laughs> just objectively hate something about it. <laughs> uh, but I didn't really play a ton right i didn't and i didn't spend a lot of time memorizing videos of content of how things work or anything um and i I say all of that just to say i guess that i'm definitely jumping in pretty pretty blind to to how it all works except at the, the highest level um what was your experience like though did you did you end up playing in the bait at all and or consume content ahead of time to learn about it um, I definitely didn't play any beta and, um, really didn't know much about it, uh, until you told me about it. Um, and leading up to the launch, um, I watched a few videos because I was trying to piece together, like what character I wanted to start with and, mm-hmm. uh, kind of looking at like how they would play and what roles and stuff. Um, I ended up, uh, deciding on a centaur a centaur knight and um got to run around as a as a horsey which was fun (laughs) (laughs) but um i was uh pleasantly surprised uh with the the new player experience is kind of like a quest line uh that takes you one to to 25 like into the pvp area and um just kind of like went through at my own pace. I mean, you don't necessarily have to do that. I mean, you if you're a VIP subscriber, you can go straight to 25, but I've, I wanted to learn how to play the character and everything and see what was what. And um, it takes you through a lot of the aspects. Um, and it's not like really any MMO that I've played before. Um, a lot of the mechanics of it and in the crafting and it's all different enough that 
if I hadn't have gone through the one to 25, I would be at 25 going like, I really have no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's well that, yeah, that's cool that it, that's cool that the new player experience does that. Cause that's something that can happen in MMOs that are in a development cycle for a long time. And that certainly that have a, a long beta period is that because the player base in the beta is obviously not, new for very long mm -hmm. the new player experience can get kind of left behind or have some significant gaps in it and this isn't just true of mmos this is games in general you know, a game like factorio not an mmo at all but now has a really good new player experience i would say but for a long time it was there was very little to <laughs> to kind of hold your hand because that's just not where the focus of the effort is in development mm -hmm. I um oh go ahead if you're going to say something. I was uh I was uh, also surprised by it it didn't feel overly grindy. Um it seemed to get to the point pretty quickly as you're going through the quests, you know, you're not like having to um run over here, run over there and and everything seemed to have a purpose towards moving you through the the game and kind of teaching you all of the the nuances of it at least giving you a foundation for it yeah i've so i was able to log in and do a ha a handful of quests with a character I, I the first character i did was a wood elf druid and it i would definitely agree with that you know it would have you you need to go kill wolves to get their pelts but you only have to kill two yeah. or go kill boars for something, but you only have to kill two. Right. So I appreciated that certainly as well, that it's not go kill 20 of this or mm -hmm. tons and tons of those quests. But I kind of assumed that it would be at least somewhat succinct because if they're going to let people skip to level 25, which you can do outside of VIP also, I think you have to have 40,000 gold to buy a tome. Oh, okay. But it's available to anyone. So if they're going to have that, then clearly the emphasis of the game is not pre max level. Right. Yeah. Which is fair though. I mean, that's, you know, it's so interesting <laughs> for people who are, I don't know what, the, I don't know where the cutoff is. I don't know if it's 10 years younger than us or 15 years younger than us or what the age is, but you know, old MMOs, like Dark Age of Camelot, how long were you, wasn't until you got to level 50? Like, oh, a year? Yeah, I mean, it was a long time. Right, now, you played a, a stealth archer class that, that wasn't popular in groups, and is not super powerful to level with solo, mm. so it probably could have, you know, if you would have played a healer, maybe you could have leveled faster, but the point just being... It, it was not... You played that one character all the time for that year. <laughs> well, so, yeah, to be fair, I, I was also wasn't that great at the at the character or knowing where to go or anything, you know? So there was some extra... Yeah. There, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. But it's also... If you remember back then, I mean, you would meet players that were around your level, and it's not like all of them were getting to max level months ahead of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone kind of stayed around the same level range, you know, for the most part, as they went went through. 
And so my point just being there used to be in, in the older MMOs, and this is certainly true in EverQuest, I would say even more so than, than Dark Age, but part of the game really was not being max level yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, there was a community, right? You would see the same people because it would be weeks <laughs> between levels or, or whatever. Uh, and it that just doesn't exist for quite some time now. I mean, almost all MMOs now are about the end game. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool to see Crowfall recognize that through the design right away. You know, I'm playing World of Warcraft Classic, the, the Burning Crusade Classic right now. And I think, I mean, Burning Crusade is probably my favorite WoW expansion. But if you were to come start now, you have to play all the way level 1 to 60 in vanilla WoW and then level 60 to 70 in Classic or in, in TBC. You're looking at, I don't, you know, hundreds of hours of required playtime mm-hmm. before you can even get to the end game. And World of Warcraft is definitely a game where the the game really exists at max level, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, and um, seeing that Crowfall is, is embracing the the end game PvP experience, it's like, well, I mean, why would you want to run around for months on end doing PvE when the whole draw to it is? being able to do the castle sieges and being able to fight other players in this, you know, grand scale, it's like, well, learn the character. Okay, great. Let's get you in the mix. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I I think it's, I like that a lot about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I'm just completely kind of shotgunning all over the place here. I uh, also did watch the other night, a video from a week or two ago of a castle siege. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's straight up Dark Age of Camelot style. There was a big giant castle. People started dropping trebuchets in the field and knocking down castle wall. Mm-hmm. And it it was the closest thing. I don't know. Crow or not Crowfall. Uh, Guild Wars Two does feature some of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this looks this looks like what we want. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's not it's not Guild Wars two, which we don't want. So there was um, a part in the the new player quest where it kind of teaches you about um, building up the castles and running supplies to the you know various castles to upgrade them and stuff. And um, it kind of reminded me of uh, you remember Foxhole. Yeah. yeah, I actually just played it yesterday for a little while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, just like where something that gets you into the action really quickly, like, you know, and uh, has like all of these aspects of where you're, you know, trying to upgrade the buildings on this uh, campaign, mm-hmm. so to speak. But like, you know, Crowfall being fantasy. Right, right. So I I made the the druid character and then I also made an elken ranger and I did go ahead and boost that up to 25 just to see what that experience looked like and you know mm-hmm. how it all worked. And so I haven't I didn't play it hardly at all at 25 yet, but I did did have the chance to boost it up. And yeah, I was really interested by how the skill system worked. I wasn't really clear on how it worked because you obviously pick your initial class like druid or ranger Mm -hmm. and then i had seen that there were like three 
specializations you could kind of choose. I didn't understand that those were contained within the talent tree um, of your base class, I guess you could say. Yeah, when you so, uh, select the the subclass, there's like a few more abilities within that subclass that you can only access. There is, yeah. So, so basically the first, I would say, half of the talent tree is dedicated to whatever your base class that you choose at character creation. And then it funnels into a, a central point where it then branches out into three options. And when you choose one of those three options, it locks out the other two. Mm-hmm. So you can't choose more than one. I think they call it a promotion, if I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly. I think that's right. But then, so I chose with the ranger. I chose the archer promotion. But then at the end of the archer specific, you know, selection of talents, there was yet again another selection of three where I could choose between with the archer, frost, darkness, or music, mm-hmm. and that allowed that then determines like large and small sigils, I think, that I can equip that look like they are maybe major and minor, but th- that also then grant different abilities. Is that is my understanding of that correct from what you have gotten? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are called disciplines, I think. The, there we go. Thank yeah, you. The runes or you know, that you equip. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same, same boat. I was like... Well, trying to piece all that together and that that was kind of the few you know videos that i look up to try and understand exactly what was happening there and uh it lends itself to a ton of customization and i saw some builds where people like were, were not even taking those last options because maybe they wanted more points in some some of the other base skills mm, right and and so you kind of have to pick and choose like how much variety you want because you only get what was like fifteen talent by points. thirty yeah 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 no I think that's I that makes sense that people wouldn't even go all the way to the end uh, but I think it's really cool that there's the variety there is and it seems like there's just going to be an opportunity for things to not feel quite as cookie cutter right like mm-hmm. to see a bigger variety of builds. Now, obviously, a meta will ultimately develop, and there will be, you know, the S tier class and the A tier and the B tier and so on. But I don't know with a variety of specs and potentially. Now, I, I haven't played enough to understand what the the actual player skill, you know, influence on it is. But with the variety of specs, and then also the variety of you know how good a player is at executing that class. I don't know, it just seems like there's going to be a ton of, I, I hate to keep using the word variety, but just a ton of differences in what you see versus, you know, in a game like WoW, for example, if you run into a Frost Mage, they're pretty much a Frost Mage. Frost Mages don't play a lot different. But even in this, if you run into a Ranger that's an Archer, they still could have quite a bit of difference, it seems, in in how they're really built out. So not every Archer is going to you know be the same fight. Yeah, it'd be, I mean, really dynamic, probably. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking about this earlier today because I got to run around in a little bit of the PvP area. And because there's so much uh, variety in what you could be, um, I was I was like, how, how am I going to 
determine what classes I would be facing against, you know, if we run into some enemies, because it's not just like, well, a certain armor type is lends itself to a certain, you know, maybe that's a caster because he's in a robe or something, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it could be, it could be anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does seem that way. It does. It, it does seem that way. And I don't, yeah, I I think to some extent, I guess you could kind of know based on what race they are over yeah. time, because only certain races can be certain classes. So you could at least narrow it down. Like if it's a centaur, it's only one of these three or four classes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now again, obviously, that's still going to be that still leaves a lot of options there. And then, yeah, I mean, it might be to some extent kind of seeing what abilities people have. But if you remember back in Camelot, I mean, this wasn't common i guess you could say but back in camelot you would have melee characters that would sometimes wear a cloth robe as their chest piece (laughs) oh yeah so they looked like a caster and then you try and jump them and then they whip out a pole arm and beat it so um that kind of subversion has been going on for a a while i guess yeah it's tricky guys tricky Uh, tricky I also uh, got to uh, play around in the Eternal Kingdom, mm. which was interesting, because um, you can place buildings. Um, you actually build out your map. You you place land pieces, and so yeah, you, the parcels, right? Yeah, you start out with you know just the center parcel that's already there. And then you you can add on to it and um, build it however you want, and those pieces are are not set in in place you know indefinitely. You can pick them up, you can move them. You know, I I placed a land piece and was like, well, maybe I want to move it over here, and then was able to just do that. Mm. And um, so there's this whole Minecrafty type feel to it. Like there's a lot of resource gathering and building that you could do with that is pretty interesting yeah Yeah, i think it's super cool so i am you know as much as i i don't know when it comes to mmos i'm really am just an mmo fan you know i know some people only want to play pvp Mm -hmm. and some people really like crafting or some people just like raiding or whatever the case is i honestly i like all of it uh and i like also housing which is not something that's mechanically driven really right like it's just very it's an aesthetic thing yeah but you know dark age of camelot was the first game i ever played that had housing and i mean you and i rented a house well i say rented we we (laughs) bought and lived in a house together in dark age because we pooled our money because that was all we could afford yeah and then eventually you were able to buy your own lot and so you moved out and had got your own place and (laughs) (laughs) it was just it's just i don't know it's just cool like it just adds a level to the immersion and final fantasy 14 had housing Mm -hmm. or has housing i really think that's cool shadow bane you could build your own town if you were i mean as as a guild yeah um but so, I, yeah, I'm really, I think the Eternal Kingdom thing is super cool. And I, it does have kind of a Minecrafty kind of vibe to it. I didn't buy one of the backer packs that included a parcel. So mm-hmm. I don't have a parcel to do, to add to it yet. But you can, I think you can earn them maybe through campaign rewards. 
Oh, as that starts to unfold, and then also for the obviously for the premium currency, you can pick it up. Yeah, there was um, a lot of uh, a variety in, in as far as like vendors, um, you know, setting up shops or like marketplaces where like any players could come into. Um, so it's not just, you know, your group or your guild. I mean, you can set permissions for it. But um, the idea that maybe there could be a lot of, uh, I don't know, uh, a lot of, of people coming into it. And then that maybe not necessarily your guild, but then could contribute and build up a a huge city on on someone's eternal kingdom because mm-hmm. you could give out you can give out titles so you could have like nobility and vassals and they can hmm. all have like their permissions in this um it's kind of like i want to say you know um like a stardew valley or maybe animal crossing or something like com- combining that with uh, the Shadowbane kingdom building or something like that. I don't know. It, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to to dive more into it again. I, I honestly I struggle to comment too much on how it all works because I literally have played I think less than three hours total since launch just because of of the issues they ran into mm-hmm. and the 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 way my time lined out with it, but. Um, yeah, I I think the Eternal Kingdoms thing looks super cool. I think that the uh, the the what what of the game I've played seems. I mean, it runs well. I think I like the art style of it. I like the variety of of races and classes. Um, so so far, I'm pretty hooked. And something else I'll say that I thought was kind of cool. I have a a mixed relationship with premium currencies in games. Uh-huh. Um, on the one hand. I I get it, you know, monetize it fine. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I'm not someone who often wants to buy premium currency. However, I don't really have a problem with paying for a sub. And it probably speaks to that my opinion is not objectively valid. <laughs> that it's that it's just I was introduced to the subscription model at the very beginning of MMOs and so it doesn't seem strange to me right yeah and the premium currency thing came later well in crowfall something they do that's pretty cool with the the subscription is if you subscribe you also get the same amount of crowns for the subscription price that you would have if you would have just bought that amount of crowns outright so what i mean by that is a subscription for one month is 15 dollars mm-hmm. if you buy a one month subscription for $15, you get 1500 crowns. If you were just to buy 1500 crowns from the shop directly, it, it would be $15. Right. Okay. So it's almost like you can kind of just buy the, the VIP and then you're getting the crowns or however you want to rationalize that you get it. But it's cool that it's, it's, it almost feels more bundled. I mean, it is directly bundled, I guess it doesn't feel that way. It is just (laughs) bundled together. Um, but yeah, I didn't mind buying the, the 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 sub, and so now that I get the premium currency through that, it 
it feels like a really good deal, I guess, is the language I'm trying to get to here. Um, yeah, that's and awesome. I, I appreciate that feeling <laughs> of a good deal. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that was uh, how it worked, but yeah, that's awesome. And, but I, I understand what you're getting at with the premium currency and stuff because, I mean, there's there's so many games out there where it's like pay to win. And so, you know, if well, if I put this much money and in, into it and get all of the currency, I can basically just buy everything and we win, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't see that from Crowfall. I mean, I mean, it's still early, so I don't know exactly what all the crowns can be used for and everything, but it, it doesn't feel that way. Oh, I don't think there's any pay to win. I yeah. mean, I, I, the only things you can, I've looked at the shop, while trying to to log into the game, I've looked at their website quite a bit, and yeah. there's nothing on the shop you can buy that changes how the game plays. Mm-hmm. It's mount skins, it's parcels, it's colors, it's stuff like that. But there's there is no there is no buy in game currency to then buy stuff on a market or you know what I mean something like yeah, that. So, yeah, um, yeah. So no, it's definitely not pay to win. Uh, and, and that is, that is cool. But it's also, the thing is, is that like, uh, a parcel is, you know, between one and 3000 crowns, right. On the store. So that means that's 10 to $30 for a parcel. Well, Mm -hmm. when I think of it like that on its own, it's like, eh, I don't know if I want to spend that or not, but again, I am willing to pay for the subscription, so then mm-hmm. if I pay for the sub, well, now I'm, I'm going to get that, those crowns through the sub. And now I, now, so now I feel like I have access to that stuff, even though it's not game winning stuff, like a, a parcel yeah. for the eternal kingdom, it's still fun to be able to access it uh, without feeling like I'm getting nickel and dimed. And, and I definitely would feel the opposite about it in this example. So, yeah, it's like they're, they're giving you something to, you know, build up your eternal kingdom with or you know however it yeah shakes out well i'm really excited to see kind of where the the meta of all this shakes out over time i mean right now the only thing that's available is the starter worlds beyond that there's a a faction versus faction campaigns uh selection that's currently blank and then there's also guild versus guild campaigns also none are running currently Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm really interested to see kind of how things shake out. I mean, there's been people playing this for a long time. There's some really established guilds. Uh, you and I have actually gone our own way, and, and you've created the guild reverence uh, mm-hmm. that we're currently in and recruiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, we're not competitive with, with a guild that's been playing for two years already. But because of the nature of the campaigns, and, and like we talked about before, the reason that I at least was so excited about this, I'm really interested to see how quickly the political landscape of Crowfall shifts around. Because I think it's going to be more rapid than maybe people would think it would be. Yeah, especially like once, uh, you know, we get a probably this weekend. I mean, I don't know. We might start seeing some some more things happening, you know, once uh, everyone is more familiar with the, the gameplay and has got in consistently with the, you know, servers being up and running well now. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to, to see what happens. 
Yeah. Well, I am definitely stoked to, to be playing through the rest of this week and for uh, the foreseeable future. Uh, anything else you wanted to cover uh, on today's episode here? Um, yeah, you mentioned that, you know, we have our guild uh, reverence. Um, you know, it's a starter-friendly guild and uh, looking to, you know, add some people and, and just see what happens. Um, you know, we have a lot of options with the alliances. I don't know if you saw that, um, but you can ally with other guilds and stuff. So even though, uh, as of right now, we may not be like the biggest guild, we could probably get on a team with, uh, some other guilds and maybe make something happen. Um, but you know, you know, just playing it all and seeing how it goes. Yeah, I think, you know, the way that we've both tried to approach it, which is why we didn't play a ton in the beta and why I didn't just sit and watch hours of YouTube videos is it's so tempting in a game like this to to min-max immediately. And mm-hmm. and there's, I'm not arguing there's not value in that or that that doesn't make sense. But I, I'm, I'm – and I'm tempted because I've played MMOs for so long. I know the, <laughs> I know the min-max stuff. It's tempting – but I'm really trying to just kind of let the game unfold and just kind of watch it play out. And I don't expect to be number one, anything anytime soon. And that's okay. Uh, I, I, I'm more interested in just kind of getting situated and being immersed in it and being mm-hmm. immersed in the community in the world and not just in, you know, what my latest parse is. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm very I'm very into this approach that we're taking uh, with it. Yeah, I mean the community is going to be what um makes it all work, you know. Mm-hmm. We find find the, you know, a group that we can do things with and and then just go from there. Awesome. Anything else you wanted to cover today? Oh, well, that's it. All right. Well, We'll see you guys out there. Check it out, Crowfall, and uh, yeah, we'll see. You. We're on we're on US East One right now, mostly. So if you want to play with us, check us out on US East One there in the God's Reach campaign. See you in game. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening to the Crowfall podcast. You can find us at the Crowfall Pod either on Minds or Twitter. So be sure and give us a follow there. We'll see you in the game. We'll see you around on the pod.